Of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus, presented by the Play Index at baseballreference.com. I'm Ben Lindbergh of Grantland, joined by Sam Miller of Baseball Prospectus. Hello. Howdy. Apologies if I sound a little echoey or if there's some atmospheric music in the background. I'm in Los Angeles, so it's just echoey here, and there's music here all the time, everywhere. I like, what is that music? That is a Christmas song. I think it's Let It Snow. <laughs> it's haunting. It's not, yeah, it sounds like, uh, I don't, it sounds like the background music from Bioshock or something. So it's not snowing, but it is about to rain, right? We're bracing for some West Coast extreme weather, or so I hear. Oh, really? You see, for it's past us, where it's... Um... Oh, how was it? And nothing, nothing, uh, nothing notable. It was a, it was a good rain. It was a solid day of rain, but, mm-hmm. uh, California not. needs some rain. The thing is that, um, uh, people sometimes mock California for getting crazy about the weather, but it's really anything that affects traffic. It's not, we're not actually afraid of the weather, but we're afraid of what it will do to traffic. So anything that will affect traffic is huge, huge news. Mm-hmm. Whereas like uh, like a 7.0 earthquake, we will totally roll with it. It's just like this this makes our dancing more fun. That's what <laughs> earthquakes are. It just <laughs> aw- earthquakes are dynamite. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, we should segue into baseball's seismic activity. Ooh. <laughs> um, so last time we talked. We stopped recording about, what, 20 minutes before the the Lester to the Cubs deal became official, and that seems like a long time ago and a lot of trades and signings ago. You've written about some of them. I haven't. I'm about to write about something. I don't know where to start. There are probably too too many things to cover in a single podcast, but if there are some that interest you in particular or that you feel more prepared to talk about, I will start anywhere. Okay. Where start anywhere. Start? start anywhere. <laughs> I'm reading I'm reading Plasky. I make I don't I'm very good about not reading whatever thing Twitter is uh, freaking out about. Mm-hmm. I've read every possible troll uh, troll job. I'm not interested in them. Mm-hmm. But this is a little bit of majesty here. <laughs> it is really incredible. I have not seen it. I've been out all day. Is this a is this a reaction to the Dodgers many moves? Yeah, the headline is literally heat is on after unwisely trading Matt Kemp. Heat is on Andrew Friedman. Like mm. already, <laughs> he's he's on the wobbly chair on Bill Plaschke's wobbly chair. Uh huh. Okay. Well, maybe we should start there then. This does this. I, I mean, I was I was somewhat surprised. I was not at all surprised that a Dodgers outfielder was traded. I was. Somewhat surprised that it was Kemp. I figured the most likely outcome was one of the the less skilled outfielders would be traded. That it would just be easier for all sides for the Dodgers to just eat some money and trade Ethier or Crawford or someone. But this this Kemp to the Padres for Grandal rumor had been going around for some time, so that wasn't shocking either. And I mean, from the Dodgers' perspective. It seems easier 
to explain from the Dodgers' perspective to me than the Padres' perspective, right? If, if Friedman is on the wobbly chair, then I wonder what A.J. Preller is on right now. But, I, yeah, I get. I, I guess I I would just maybe argue with the semantics of it. I think that it's I I I prefer the Dodgers side of it. I mm-hmm. think that most people that we read and are read by prefer the Dodgers side of it. But it is easier to justify uh, in a in a kind of uh, outside of our particular uh, sphere. It's much easier to justify getting a superstar mm-hmm. than giving up a superstar. And that is, I think, that's what. Plashke represents. He represents the uh, what I like to call the uncle cohort, who <laughs> likes to who doesn't get why they would trade the superstar. Um, and uh, you know, so for that reason, you can sort of see like where if Plashke were making some sort of meta argument about uh, keeping the Dodger casual Dodger fan interested or something like that, or like winning the hearts and minds of the population. Mm-hmm. Uh, then he might have a point. I, I don't think it's a. I, I I don't particularly. I wouldn't make the trade if I were the Padres. Um, mm-hmm. But I don't think it's absurd either. I, I'm surprised they made it. It doesn't seem like the sort of deal that that I, I expected from the Padres generally or from Preller. But I don't think it's quite as bad as some of the um, uh, some of the responses to it were. I don't I don't think Kemp is necessarily a bad ball player. I'm sort no. of skeptical of the idea that he's a minus 20 corner outfielder that mm-hmm. seems that just seems impossible to me it, it, <laughs> it's like practically impossible to imagine that that's true yeah. and if you regress him to you know to average which seems mm-hmm. like i mean he's a you know he's a young guy who runs well and played center field it's mm-hmm. hard for me not to imagine that he's somewhere close to average and he is still a very good hitter yeah. or he is sometimes a very good hitter the bp and i the he uh, i don't know why i brought that up uh he's He's had three MVP halves in the last three years mm-hmm. and three very poor halves in the last three years. And uh, if you average it together, he's essentially the same hitter that he was the three years before he signed his contract when he got that contract. And uh, the only thing that's really changed is that, A, it has become this weird flip-flop half-half thing that he's doing um, that is kind of disconcerting and makes you uncomfortable about the guy um, and that the defensive metrics have, have cratered. Clearly he's not as valuable as he was when he was playing center field. Um, and so he's not, you know, he's never going to be a seven or eight win player again, but for $15 million a year, uh, I'd be happy about it. Now, the fact that they gave up some quality pieces to get him uh, is, is what makes it a little harder, mm-hmm. but I, I, you know, Kemp's a fine ball player. Yeah. Fine enough. He's not he my is. favorite. I don't, I, I like him a lot less than most people do, and I still like him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, his his contract looked awful a year ago, and now it looked not so bad, right? like enough that you could kick in some money, and they did kick in some money. And yeah, at the rate that they will be paying him, I, I, that's a fine player to have. I guess the, the... And you understand why they wanted to trade a catcher. They have lots of good catchers. And so if they were going to deal for something, then you can understand why they would want to use one of their surplus catchers to do it. And you can see why the Dodgers would want that catcher. So that makes perfect sense. I guess it's just a, it's a timing thing. It's the Padres are not very good. Even with Kemp, they're probably not very good unless they do a whole lot of other stuff. And 
And they've been talking about adding a hitter for a while, and then right after they talked about adding a hitter, they signed Clint Barmas, which I thought was amusing. He probably would be one of their better hitters last year. <laughs> He's one of the probably one of the worst hitters in baseball, but they were a, a team of terrible hitters last year. So Kemp makes them better, but it's just kind of a they're not very good right now, and maybe he'll be good for a couple more years, but maybe they, they won't overlap in the way that you would want, and maybe he gets hurt again or something. So that seems... Yeah, yeah. maybe. I mean, it's... It, it's fifteen million dollars. It's not. Mm-hmm. It's not crippling money. And you know, if you're gonna say, "Oh, well, they're not gonna be good in his three years," well, then why keep Grandal, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Grandal's basically got three years too. He's a, he's a catcher. What you're not gonna count on him past that, probably. Um, so you yeah, know. it's just a why not a a prospects deal or something? Why not just get a bunch of young guys? Yeah, I guess makes sense. <laughs> Yeah, I mean... It's not a trade I love, but it's not a trade that I am... For, for either side? Or do you love it for, for one side? Um, I, guess, I guess if you look at the Dodgers as basically trading a player who's worth about like a quarter as much to them as he is to anyone else, mm-hmm. in the sense that they have so many outfielders. On the other hand, you could look at it with the Dodgers as they can afford to have a four-win player at every position. Mm-hmm. And so if, if they end up having... Um, you know, a Heisey Ethier platoon or something like that going on at some point. That's, I mean, that's lower than their, what their bar is at any position. I mean, with the Dodgers, you almost just, you get so greedy. You think, uh, if you have five players, uh, mm-hmm. for one position, uh, just keep the best one. If you have to pay the <laughs> other four to do nothing, fine, but keep the best one. You should, like, they have so much money, they should just almost always keep the best one. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, for as, on paper, yeah, they definitely got good value out of it. So it's, it's a coup for them, I guess. It, for any other team, it would be a coup. With the Dodgers, you don't quite know how to how to think about money with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, but in, you know, Grendel's an upgrade. Mm-hmm. Yeah, certainly. And so, I guess since we're on the the subject of the Dodgers, we can talk about some of the other Dodgers stuff. So uh, yeah, you know what you know what watching the Dodgers last night reminded me of mm-hmm. is. Remember, like, I don't know, 15 episode or whatever we did was Puig's first game? Yeah. Do you remember uh-huh. that? Yeah, right. And we Puig, were reacting to a, a Plaschke article, and, weren't we? Oh, were we? Oh, I don't remember. So Puig so. threw a guy out at first to end the game, and the world just completely, I guess it was, it must have been later, huh? It must have been, because yeah, he we debuted were... in the spring. It must have been, like, episode 200-ish. Mm. Anyway. Uh, he threw a guy out to end the game, and everybody was just so excited by Puig. And just to see him in game one was an event. And then for him to do something was especially great, and everybody reacted. And I thought maybe overreacted. I was the overreactor yesterday, just watching what was kind of like the first game of the Friedman Zaidi uh, regime, <laughs> in a way. And to just see them do this thing, which I don't know that it was perfect. Uh, it was, it sort of uh, was more, it, it was kind of like there, it was more exciting, I think, early on uh, to some degree, but it was still, it was good. They did a lot of amazing things, but to just see the way that they were able to control all these different moves that were, that had to be negotiated at once, thought about right. as interrelated, that had to be basically like had to be coordinated 
both mentally and actually logistically mm-hmm. in a way that I think would be extremely challenging for a lot of people. And so to see them, it was like seeing the the guy flash his 80 his 80 grade arm or his 80 speed and you're like oh my gosh they like they really do have this this tool like i I don't i don't think that they've like necessarily uh guaranteed that they're going to the hall of fame or anything like that it's only one game but Mm -hmm. it was really an impressive show to me just to see this like to see them just knock off one after the other and to see it like the plan emerge. It was incredible. It was great. So maybe that's, I mean, it's such a logistical challenge. Maybe that is something they're able to do because they have three GMs in the front office. And maybe, I, I don't, I would love to read just an in-depth article on what that day was like for them or what, what the winter meetings were like for them and just how they divided up the the planning and the communication with other teams because all of those things were happening more or less simultaneously they must have been and so i mean that you they must have been delegating to to the other gms to talk to other teams about those moves so maybe that is maybe that is one of the benefits of having many of those guys who have been the primary person in a front office having them be the subordinate people is that you can just trust them to go like run run trade negotiations or talk to free agents or their agents while other people are tied up doing certain things. I guess there there aren't many days in a year where that is necessary where you would need like five five people talking to teams at the same time, but if that day ever ever happens, ever comes, then they are probably better equipped to do that than anyone else. So the individual moves, so the, the Phillies actually traded a guy. That was sort of shocking to mm-hmm. actually see that happen. Mm-hmm. And so so what? I, I haven't even, I've been out all day. I feel like I have to sit down and understand how all the puzzle pieces fit together. But uh, Brandon McCarthy, we like Brandon McCarthy. What was the, what was the Bowden prediction? It was much lower, 20. Right? It was 20. Did I take him? Did someone take I him? I took him. Oh, yeah. oh that's a crushing what, how, I saw the four, so four years, 48. Yeah. Oh, that's huge. That is that big. Is, <laughs> that is big. I still think, I mean, you're going to cash in on Headley, but, oh, dude, the other, I'm, I'm going to pull that up while I'm doing this, but mm-hmm. uh, the they, uh, the new, the latest thing is that the Mariners won't go past three for Melky Cabrera, mm-hmm. and Melky was your, uh, was your under, is that right? Uh, maybe? <laughs> I uh, didn't write it down. Hang on. I'm yeah, not... he might have been. I so felt like I had you... to go with an under. Yeah, you did. And, and my I missed on my under. Everything has been over so far. We've mm-hmm. hit all of these except for my under. And, uh, yeah, you have Milky as an under. So uh, I really need that not to Like, I need him to get his fourth year from someone. But, uh, yeah, so uh, McCarthy was at 20, he signed for 48, and Masterson was at 7, he signed for 9, which was mine, and I feel like that's kind of a lost, a wasted opportunity. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Gregerson was at 14, he signed for, I think, 18, and that was yours. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, great. I'll bank that, $4 million. Mm. So, uh, okay, so, so McCarthy, I mean, we like McCarthy as a pitcher, the only question about him was was health and so they have made a fairly significant bet that he will stay healthy that 
this last year is an indication of future years. And he... It's also... Mm-hmm. it's also, I mean, he... He's... Uh, he hasn't really ever been worth much more than $12 million in a year. Uh-huh. Is the other thing. Like, e- like even if you're... Uh, you know, if you're if you're sort of banking on him missing a year but making it up by being so good, he might be. He's, I, you know, we like him as a pitcher. He's a good pitcher. He was uh, really good with New York, for instance. Um, but if you're expecting him to be like a three or four win pitcher the first couple years or the, the couple of healthy years, he hasn't really demonstrated that, which is part of what makes the four years so surprising. Like It's like they're going long on a guy who's, um, I don't know, maybe not that um, high impact a guy in addition to not being that safe. Mm-hmm. That was yeah. sort of surprising. Mm-hmm. That is, that's right. Uh, so what, what is the latest with Dan Heron's retirement watch? Uh, he, they gave him a watch already? Jeez, he hasn't even announced. <laughs> very good, very good. Uh, uh, he's thinking it over. Uh-huh. Is, so that's uh, interesting that you make a trade not knowing. <laughs> is, is that, I mean, do they not care? Is is Dan Heron just like neutral for $10 million or whatever it is? Like if he if he decides not to retire, great, we have Dan Heron. And if he does, I mean, you still have to pay him though is the problem unless he, unless he gives you a Gilmesh deal. Well... So, uh, you have to. You don't have to pay him if he retires. But mm. um, but the thing that even if even if they consider Dan Heron at ten million to be you know neutral and they'll take it either way, mm-hmm. I think they would want to know. Like it's really hard not to know. Like you you their bud, most teams budgets aren't that fluid, and not knowing whether you're going to spend ten. I mean ten million dollars <laughs> is a lot of money, especially for the Marlins. Yeah. So, yeah, and so it feels like it could be a huge pain if they don't know. I can't figure that one out. I mm-hmm. mean, I just assumed that I, the 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 theory that everybody has that basically it's a it does the Dodgers a favor. You're doing the Dodgers a service, so you get some sort of credit from the Dodgers for doing them a service at no risk because you think Heron's going to retire. Seems like that's the first thing that came to my mind. That's what I sort of was thinking. But that's awfully risky, given mm-hmm. that he doesn't seem to be uh, uh, locked in on that. He seems to be thinking it over more than I would want if I were in the Marlins <laughs> situation. The mm-hmm. other, the other, I forget who mentioned this. Somebody, I think, who covers the Angels suggested that it's also possible that they plan to flip him to the Angels. Possible. Yeah, maybe. Okay, so so we we wondered what they would do to follow up the Stanton contract because obviously they they indicated to Stanton that they would be doing subsequent things and they'd be adding and he deferred all this money or backloaded all this money so that they could do things or we wondered whether they actually would or whether they were just tricking him into that or what. So they've done some things. I don't know whether the first move makes them notably better. I, I mean, the the D. Gordon Heron deal, I mean, that's, I don't know, Gordon seems like probably more of the guy that he was for most of the year or the second half of the year and probably more than half of the year after he had that sort of anomalous good hitting start to the year. And so they've got that guy 
and they had to give up Heaney, who was who was what their best prospect at at one time recently, with the best left-handed pitching prospect in in baseball for a brief one, time know, there. One one time recently, like like forty-eight hours ago. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, so that's uh, is that is that an upgrade? I guess not. I mean, not not particularly. Um, uh, is it an upgrade if they hadn't traded Heaney for Gordon? You're asking if that's an upgrade all by itself, mm-hmm. like not not taking into account contracts or anything like that, but just in 2015, is Heaney better than Gordon? Yeah. Uh, it's close. Yeah. It I would probably take, I think I think I would rather have Heaney than Gordon in 2015. Mm-hmm. That might be an insane thing to say. I don't know. I, I don't know how to. I've never been able to compare non, you know, rookies to to non rookies. It's always hard for me. But mm-hmm. I think I would take Heaney over Gordon. Yeah. I, Gordon's not good. <laughs> well, we no one thought he was good for for a while there, and then briefly, it looked like he was really good, and suddenly he was like the the better Billy Hamilton or something. And Last year. Last year, the Dodgers were talking about Miguel Rojas being their second baseman. Mm-hmm. And just for fun, you should go look at Miguel Rojas's career stats to see <laughs> how insane it is that a year ago, they were talking about Miguel Rojas, not D. Gordon, being their second baseman. That's how bad D. Gordon was, except for like seven and a half weeks of his life. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, I guess that's not true. He was a top prospect too. He was a yes. you know, thirty prospect until three years ago. So mm-hmm. uh, I guess that is uh, relevant data too. Um, yeah, Miguel Rojas has a well. He hasn't really played all that much in the majors or in the upper levels, but he has a career three hundred OBP, two eighty two slug in Double A. <laughs> yeah, in Double A. In Double A. <laughs> Like in in 2013, he had a 610 OPS in Double A, and he was old for the level. <laughs> so I mean, a little. Old. <laughs> yeah, of course, the Marlins went into last year with Rafael Fercal <laughs> as their presumptive starting second baseman, so that wasn't much better. But so so I don't know. So if they if they get Heron, I guess I guess getting Heron would be a good thing. So we don't know whether whether they did yet. So it's kind of I, it's not totally clear. That's true. I don't think Heron's been <laughs> above replacement level for three years. Yeah. In according to reference, now there's different 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 wars are very different on Heron because he's a uh, mm. he's a little he's still kind of a little bit of a fit monster. But you could make the case that Heron is worth nothing. That Heron is uh, retirement bait at the minimum. You could make that case. Mm-hmm. And the Dodgers sent a bunch of money to them. They sent them what, ten million, and then they're going to cover the the arbitration cost for Gordon also. So that makes it a little bit better. But that move in isolation, eh, I don't, I don't, I don't know. That seems like sort of a lateral move. And getting getting Latos is is an upgrade. I mean, you can. Latos is kind of has been trending down too, and has lost some velocity, and had was kind of banged up all year, and his peripherals were worse, and so 
that's that's kind of hard to to say what what he is either but in the short term he's probably better than what they had or what they gave up so i guess they got a little bit better there but not not so much that i would be sitting back with a satisfied satisfied smile on my face if i were stanton i it's almost worse <laughs> like they did something and they like now they can say well we did something and yet well, they didn't really get they, much right, better but- if you're st- if you're the Marlins, it's and you build up and it doesn't work, then that's license to tear down. Yeah. And so yeah, so the more they invest in a bad team, the more likely that bad team gets stripped for parts. Mm-hmm. And so you almost maybe if you're Stanton, maybe wish they'd waited a year and done it a little better. Uh-huh. <laughs> in my opinion. Uh-huh. And okay, so uh, what else should we? Depends on Latos though. I mean, Latos could be you know late. Sure, Latos could be. Not only could Latos be very good this year, mm-hmm. but Latos could be um, very good this year. And if the Marlins happen to not be, uh, he could bring back. Uh, you, know, you know, maybe he brings back something. I mean, they gave up nothing for him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty so much. Right. I mean, they basically they they are. If if Latos is healthy in July, he ought to get back bring back more than they gave up for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he doesn't even have to be good in July, just healthy. Yeah, and if he is good, at least there's a qualifying offer there. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, a little a little bit better there. Uh, okay, and what else? Red Sox. Red Sox got some pitchers. They weren't necessarily the caliber of pitcher that has been attached to the Red Sox. Uh, coming on the heels of being a finalist for Leicester, maybe... Maybe Red Sox fans are not overwhelmed by Justin Masterson and, and Wade Miley and that sort of pitcher, but and Rick Porcello. So these are they suddenly have a very ground ball heavy rotation um, with Joe Kelly also, and so I don't know these they they kind of have a a rotation now. It's still a rotation that is sort of without a number one guy or even maybe a good number two guy but if you assume that they will add Scherzer or Shields or or trade for one more guy then wait did any did any pitcher on their team end last season as a number three <laughs> I don't think so no they really didn't even have a, they didn't even really have a, a mid rotation starter so now they have three I guess you could say so that's that's pretty good. <laughs> they got guys. Who... No, no, no. I mean, I mean, like, because uh, yes, that too. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like, Porcello was, you know, like a number five on his team. Uh-huh. And I see. What you mean. Masterson was like uh, didn't didn't get a playoff start, mm-hmm. and Kelly was out of the rotation, and Buckholtz was was Buckholtz starting in the end. I guess he was by default. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and then Miley. Yeah, so it's it's not the most impressive group still no but i don't mind it they've invested Mm -hmm. they they invested elsewhere i like to see teams that that don't care about balance i love a team that invests uh (laughs) in in one thing and uh and uh doesn't mind if they're weaker in another spot i i hate the tyranny of balance Uh yeah if you have the best offense in baseball and and looking at their lineup right now they have a, a pretty good chance to to be that or or be close then you don't necessarily need a, a great rotation. I mean, unless you buy into the, uh, like, offense doesn't win in the playoffs or whatever. And I'm sure if they if they go into the year 
constructed like they are right now, then you'll probably hear a lot of that. They don't have the number one guy. They don't have the shutdown guy, whatever. But but they'll probably be pretty good with a really good offense and an okay rotation. That is That is better than most teams. So I guess if they have a few mid-rotation guys, which now you could say that they do, then suddenly if you add one top guy then uh, and, and they have the money to do that, then it looks okay. Then suddenly they have a starting rotation, whereas they entered the winter meetings with essentially no starting rotation. So even though the guys that they got are not big names and are not individually all that impressive, they're fine. They'll they'll throw some innings. They'll throw some league average innings, and and that's good when you have no one who has thrown a 200 inning season before, or even like a 150. Probably they just had no one, so now they have some ones. So that's progress. What else? What else do we talk about? We are notorious for not talking about the Reds. Do we have anything to say about the Reds? Uh, just that we have to completely rewrite the BP annual essay that was <laughs> finalized and ready to go. I had lunch with Jason Wojciechowski today, your co-editor, and he was lamenting how many of the essays were affected by like the last 24 hours of winter meetings. It sounds it's true, like a nightmare. They were, although the Reds more than any, I think, because just by chance, just because of the, what the Reds topic, what the theme of the Reds one was. And also the Reds was, it was done. I had Mm-hmm. I had filed it away. Was never going to look at it again. Wasn't even going to read it when the book came out. <laughs> uh huh. Well, that's a shame. That's, yeah. That's what they they pay you to edit. You are earning so, your money. So, uh, no, the Reds are the Reds are are they're punting, right? That's good. That's good for me because I bet on their odds, their World Series odds to draw. <laughs> we evaluate pretty much everything that happens over the offseason by some meaningless draft episodes that we do. At the beginning of the off season, every so now, well, okay. Let's let's think about this question mm-hmm. it, because it, I think this is probably what matters most for the Reds. Uh, is this a clear white flag? And if so, does the next week is the is all the rumor oxygen over the next week uh, basically uh, going to be who else on the Reds can be traded? Mm-hmm. Is is it going to be a full on like everybody who everybody on the Reds? Be, like, are, am I going to hear a Joey Votto rumor? Will I hear a Joey Votto rumor? Is that possible? Will I hear a Chapman rumor? How, how long is Chapman? I've, I've heard Chapman rumors. I've, I've heard interest. Yes, I heard interest. true. I, but who wouldn't? I'm interested. It was the topic of our first episode. Who's not interested <laughs> in Chapman? Four years service time, two more years. Mm-hmm. Do they trade? I mean, if they're not, one of those years is done. Uh-huh. Do they trade Chapman? So is the next week, going to be Chapman, Bruce, Frazier, Cueto, uh, Leak, Cueto, Leak, mm-hmm. maybe not Phillips. Phillips is unmovable, right? Jay Bruce. Although they would, I'm sure they would love, I said Bruce, oh. they would love to move Phillips, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Right? Probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. They probably would love to move Bailey. Uh, maybe so. I, uh, Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the division is... It, it is hard to envision any way that they could compete this year. Like, I was surprised that, that they were not more competitive last year. I more or less like the Reds going into the year. And so, yeah, I mean, now that the the Cubs are, are 
committed to contending now and seem to have a reasonable chance of doing that. And the Cardinals are still the Cardinals, and the Pirates should be better than the Reds. So it, there doesn't seem like there's a great route to contention right right away for the Reds, at least now that they've made these moves. I could have kind of bought it if they had kept what they had and maybe added to it. But now that they have started to subtract, I guess they might as well keep going. Yeah, they didn't. it's not as though they got back anything useful next year. Right. I mean, there's the... It's not like they were hedging in any way. This was not the A's, mm-hmm. for, for instance. That's right. Yeah. So yeah. So the so the Reds are are capital R rebuilding now. Maybe maybe we can say. It seems it always seems too simplistic these days to declare anyone a rebuilder or not a rebuilder. But but maybe that's where they are right now. And it I mean there are this like this winter meetings there were kind of struck me just how few teams there are who are in that stage of the cycle right now. I mean, the Astros bought some bullpen guys. They are presumably coming out of of a nadir of a valley, and maybe it'll take them some time to, to climb up the other side, but they are heading towards that. And the Twins signed Santana, and they've got the good farm system, and, and presumably they are heading up they are on the upswing so how many teams really are there and and the White Sox and the Cubs obviously spent big and and intend to contend right away so who's who's left even you can't I mean the A's have been like the big seller of this offseason and yet not in not in a way that would make you rule them out for 2015 so who Phillies yeah Phillies Phillies and Reds I guess are pretty yeah. much the only teams pretty that much. you can declare out of it right now, which is which is nice. nice. Maybe maybe Brewers, maybe Brewers, just because they haven't done anything. Maybe maybe Rockies. The Brewers were in first place on like August eighteenth. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> That's a a date I just made up, but I mean I don't think the the Rockies. Yeah, uh, wait, the Rockies. Did something? What rumor did I hear about a Rocky uh, recently? Very recently. About acquiring? Well, they they did the the Rutledge trade. I, no, I heard a rumor. <laughs> heard a rumor. I don't remember what it was, but the Rockies. Yeah, the Rockies are. Mm-hmm. They're right. No, they're. I I I guess they're not rebuilding because they're not actively. It's like they're not actively doing anything about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they they are tough to classify. <laughs> they're they're just settling. They're just resigned to it. They're not gonna rebuild. They're just gonna coast along at sixty six wins every year. Yeah. Um. All right. What other interesting transactions have we not? Oh, we should. No, we should... no, no. I don't want it. We're done. We're done with transactions. I want to hear about your. We're done with transactions. Tell me about the winter meetings. Then, what was it like to be there? Do you want to know about the winter meetings? Have you ever been to the winter meetings? Uh, I have not. I have, uh, I've never been to anything, but I've definitely not been to those. <laughs> well, they're, they're fun. I don't know. I mean, if you're, it's, the thing about them is that it seems like it should be the best possible time to write something really interesting. Like you've got the entire industry there. Every team is there. Every writer is there. It seems like a great time to do some reporting and do a feature or something, but it's really the worst time to do that i think just because 
everyone's busy. Like even if if you have a friend with a team or something, and you say let's let's meet up for a while, it's always like oh I got to run back to the room. We're having a meeting, and someone's asking for my opinion. So everyone's harried and rushed and sleep deprived, and the same like you can write about the job seekers or something or like the the vendors at the minor league fair or something but that that kind of piece has been written 20 times already and i don't know i've i've thought about doing something more in depth like i was i was hoping to shadow an agent for for the few days or something just to see what that's like and talk about the offers and the negotiations and everything that didn't come together maybe i will do it in a future year but even so how would how would that work would i be sitting in meetings with the agent and the team and the team wondering why i'm why i'm there and if i'm going to tweet about it so i don't know it doesn't seem like the best time to do a feature that it seems like it would be a good time to do and so you i mean every writer just goes and sits in a giant room and writes about transactions and sometimes you have a, a press conference and, and someone who got traded or signed comes up to the front of the room and, and gives you some quotes and everyone gets exactly the same quotes and puts them in their similar stories. But it's a, it's a fun time to catch up with people. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. So it we sounds, it yeah, sounds fun. It, it is. Fun. It's not bad. So we didn't get to every transaction. If people want to read about Urban Santana and Kendris Morales and Ross Detweiler. They can some hot rot des- Ross Detweiler uh, <laughs> content in in post production right now. Yeah, they can they can write. So you wrote about Santana and Morales. The moral of that article seemed to be they made how much money? It seems sort of surprising that they made that much money, uh, at least relative to what they were not making last year. And I don't know. We covered all the major stuff. I guess we didn't talk about Howie Kendrick. Do you have any thirty-second take on the Howie Kendrick trade? Uh, I guess my only take would be that it's shocking to me how much one year of Howie Kendrick got, whereas uh-huh. one year one year of Samarja and Latos uh, got so little. Because yeah. it seems to me that if there's the pitching is what you would want only one year out of. You know, like so if you were going to pay for one year out of any guy. Pitcher would be the position I would think you would do it, but with the, as as Billy Bean is finding, right, or I guess as as multiple people are finding, these one-year pitchers are just getting like nothing back. Even Price mm-hmm. last year for two years, everybody was shocked at how low the return was for him for two years. So, or I guess for a year and a half. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'm surprised that that Kendrick. I mean, I didn't think that that they would. Uh, if you told me Kendrick Rahini, I wouldn't have thought that was possible. Yeah. That, that feels like an internet trade to me. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah. And it's and it's good I guess in that we've we've talked before about how locked in the Angels were to their whole roster and didn't really have parts that were under control for a long time at least when we talked about it and were kind of inflexible and so now they got a young guy who's under control for a long time and can start contributing right away. So that's nice for them. Although Kendrick is is also really good. Who replaces Kendrick? Well, Rutledge. Uh huh. Okay. Probably. I mean, they got Rut- they got Rutledge. I guess. Mm-hmm. Why not Rutledge? Yeah, sure. All right. So that is it. I've, we've we've got some work to do. We talked about plenty of transactions. There were more than we could cover in depth, but we can always bleed some over into next week if you have questions and want to send them to us. Send them to podcast they- at baseballperspectus.com. 
They need a third baseman. Do they need a third baseman? Freeze. I can't remember what. I can't remember what Freeze is called. I thought that Freeze was a one year mm. when they got him. Mm. But then we haven't heard anything about him, so he must not be. <laughs> Yeah. They must have freeze. <laughs> they must. It seems like a solid conclusion. Um, you can join our Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash effectively wild. You can rate and review and subscribe to the show on iTunes. And you can support our sponsor, The Play Index, by going to baseballreference.com, subscribing to The Play Index using the coupon code BP to get the discounted price of $30 on a one-year subscription. And we will be back next week. They do have freeze. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. We could clear that up so that our listeners weren't wondering all weekend whether David Freeze was an angel. <laughs>